The Rod and Staff podcast comes out of the host's passion for Christ and his church. It exists to encourage a deeper engagement with issues that pertain to doctrine and life. Check us out at rodandstaff.org. Welcome to this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast. I'm your host, Jason, along with my co-host, Roger. And we are here for a special episode in that this is one of our, hey, listener questions episodes. And so we're going to take a look at some questions that have come in and uh, do our best to answer them. Actually, I'm just going to have Roger answer them and I'm going to, you know, poke holes in what he answers. But uh, before we get started in that, um, we're in the middle of World Cup soccer. And it is the beautiful game. And it is beautiful to watch. Sometimes hard to watch when your team is losing. But anyway, uh, Roger, do you enjoy the beautiful game? Not really. I figured. <laughs> Sorry to burst your I bubble. knew it. I, knew. <laughs> I didn't grow up watching much, much football. No, you, I didn't grow up watching much soccer. I can enjoy watching some of it, but it was never something we were into other sports. Roger, um, the entire world. I know the world can disagrees with you. The, the world can disagree with me. I can stand alone. You are not Athanasius. Okay, <laughs> stop this this victimization here. You against the world. No, that is not. So, what is your favorite sport to watch? Then it'll still be just regular American football. Um, and then basketball. You mean would the, be the sport that they don't even really play with their feet, but they call football exactly. for some random reason? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. That you don't one. need to actually understand why we come up with the names we have. Yeah. And you could be like 700 pounds and play that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Roger, really? Like American football over the beautiful game? Yeah. There's too, there's too many teams, there's too much. Too many games. How do you follow? How do you have time? Don't you have to prepare sermons? I mean, how do you follow World Cup? Wow. <laughs> well, look, everyone knows that every four years, you get a month where you can be mediocre in everything that you do or less because <laughs> the whole world is watching. So we'll forgive whole... you if you have a bad sermon. <laughs> you, I, I should have planned well and had everyone else preach at this time so oh, I could just enjoy idea. World Cup soccer. And so... Yeah, well, I'm I'm very sorry yeah. for you, and I I urge you to repent, okay. and that's on the air so that people know I've called you to repentance, <laughs> and that, I ignored it. <laughs> yeah. So have others as I've tried to encourage them. Well, let's get to uh, important stuff. Well, other important stuff. Uh, we'll get to some of the questions that have come in, and um, the, the first one is one that um, comes up. It, it's pretty common to, mm-hmm. to hear this. And so I think I, I have a, f- a sense, I want to say that we even may have touched on aspects of this in another episode, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll come back to it anyway, because I think it's, it's still important to think about. So the question goes this way, is the God of the Old, I believe, Testament that mm-hmm. is referring to, is the God of the Old Testament different from the God of the New Testament? Seems like God is so angry and mad in Psalm 78 and in Samuel and other passages. He is so angry at his own people. Seems like God of grace in the new through Jesus and God of anger 
in the Old Testament. So now this is an age old question. Mm -hmm. Um, We even see, you know, ancient heresies develop around this concept. You have some of the Gnostics that believed, hey, the God of the Old Testament is actually Satanel, Mm. Satan, uh, and the God of the New is Jesus or or some version of that. Um, You had some uh, Gnostics that uh, actually uh, didn't believe in any of the Old Testament and only aspects of the New Testament because of some of these things that they saw such a difference between the two Testaments. So as you think about this question, Roger, uh, what comes to your mind and how, how would you start answering this for, for our listeners. Yeah, there's a few different ways on thinking of how best to answer this. So I think to look at Psalm 78 is important, but before looking at Psalm 78, uh, one thing I think is uh, important to think about is that when we think about the revelation of scripture, the revelation was slow. It was progressive mm-hmm. over time. Mm-hmm. So not everything was revealed to us in the Old Testament, more revelation continued in the New Testament. So when we think of the nature of God, he revealed himself in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Uh, Jesus was not created in the New Testament. He's always existed. The Trinity, Amen. we get that from the Old Testament. Throughout Scripture, there's a storyline that God is working in and through his people. Mm-hmm. So I think that you want to keep in mind of what was that storyline and his reaction to things that were occurring and what was coming out. I also think sometimes we can, we can get, um, uh, in our thoughts, we can just get caught up in one thing that we forget what else is there in the same exact context. Sure. Because we're so focused in our mind on one attribute, we miss what scripture is also saying. And so I think sometimes when people, um, look at this and they struggle and think, oh, God is just so judgmental. He's always angry. And we see scripture, he's, he's uh, responding this way in the old. And But you have Jesus in the New Testament and he's so gracious. Mm-hmm. We forget that there are also judge, judgments in the New Testament. Sure. And that God hasn't changed his character. His character has not changed. For example, even in, even in the early uh, new or the Old Testament in Exodus, mm-hmm. when God was revealing Himself to Moses, mm-hmm. He revealed Himself in Exodus thirty-four uh, to Moses, and He says this: "The Lord passed before Him and proclaimed, the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness." keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. Mm -hmm. We have many different places where God reveals himself as gracious and kind, forgiving iniquity. And even in Psalm 78, we see that. Mm. So in Psalm 78, a couple of the references here is looking back at the history of what God has done for his people, mm-hmm. how he has saved them, but you also get the history of the rebellion of the people right? and God's response to the rebellion. But what's so interesting is you have to realize God's grace is shown in how he has responded to the people. 
and what he has given them. Uh, so, for example, you see that the people are unfaithful mm-hmm. in verse 10, verse 11, and verse 17. Uh, it shows that God has, over time, saved them. He's fed them man in the wilderness. He was compassionate with them. These are all in Psalm 78. He mm. atoned for their iniquity. He's their redeemer. Yet you have the people who are unfaithful. So you get words like he's full of wrath. He's angry. Mm-hmm. Um, at them. And so you see that, but at the same time, you see God's grace is poured out for those people. Because if they really got what they deserve, God would have annihilated the entire human race. Oh, yeah. Right there, we know He's gracious. So we see a different accent of grace in the Old Testament than we do in the New because grace is now revealed in a person. That's what we see in Christ, we see grace incarnate Mm -hmm. in a person. So yes, we, it looks different in a sense because now we see grace is now incarnate in Christ and how he responds, but God is no less gracious in the old than in the new. And we see there's a storyline of how deep sin has infected the human race and why we need a redeemer. And you kind of get to this crescendo of the New Testament. You see it building up, building up, Mm -hmm. and then he's here to redeem man. So a lot of different thoughts and setting it up of of how I see there is a connection and not separating God. He's not, it's not a different God. It's, it's the triune God is the same throughout all of scripture. Yeah. And if you, if you think about redemptive history, and you think about <clears throat> how the Old Testament points us to the new, mm-hmm. right? You can't have the New Testament nor understand Christ and what mm-hmm. he accomplished on the cross and the grace that we're talking about if you don't have the Old Testament. You know, Paul says that the law was a tutor mm-hmm. to bring us to the time of faith and to the time of Christ. Um, the law... Yes, it, it shows the wrath of God. It shows judgment. It shows those things. It reveals those things, certainly, right? Um, because there are all these laws that are, require obedience, and when you don't obey, there are consequences mm-hmm. to that. But that very same law also shows grace, atonement. It points to the sacrifice that's going to be made. Guess what? Those people in Old Testament Israel did not actually sacrifice their own bodies, did they? Mm-hmm. No. No, there was a provision made. Mm-hmm. Think of even uh, Abraham and Isaac, the, the the ram caught in the thicket, God provides a lamb for himself, right? The The whole law is kind of saying the same thing. It's he's going to provide a lamb. He's providing a way of atonement for you. And the New Testament is simply the coming of that lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But if you look at the character of God, who planned all of that out, what a gracious God he is. Yeah, and think about this. Think about this comparison. You see the great unfaithfulness of the people Mm -hmm. and the faithfulness of God. That's right. Is that not highlighted over and over? You're unfaithful, I'm angry, but you know what? That doesn't change my faithfulness to you. I am going to preserve you. My steadfast love endures forever. My mercies are new every day. Some of the greatest verses about God's 
love mm -hmm. are found in the Old Testament storyline. Yep. So we see it through the narrative, God showing this character that's so great, yeah. but we often see his judgment and we're not looking for the signs that are right in front of us that he is a merciful, gracious, enduring God. Yeah. And, so. and, and what's interesting is his grace is kind of highlighted when we see the, the judgment that was required as well. Yeah. So for instance, you know, in Ezekiel, take Ezekiel for an, as an example, that the people are not obeying, they, they are not responding to his call to repent and all those things. And he's, you know, he, he's calling them repent, respond. And they, they can't. Yeah. He says, so I am going to remove your heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh. He, he says they can't do that. So I'm going to do that. I think of Jeremiah and the new covenant promise, mm -hmm. right? It, it, they couldn't, they're not obedient. So instead, here's what I'm going to do. You keep breaking the covenant, but I'm going to make a new covenant and you're not going to break it because I'm going to put my law on your heart. I think, of course, that goes with Ezekiel and the spirit coming upon uh, God's people and, and the new covenant promises all coming together. But you kind of get the grace of God highlighted when you see so the gospels highlighted by the law, so to speak, mm -hmm. you can't understand the gospel without the law. And, and I think that's kind of the, the, the difference that people are seeing is yes, the old T Testament, um, emphasized law pointing to the hope of the gospel. And in the new Testament, we already have the gospel, um, come to fruition and its yeah. fullness accomplished in Christ. And, um, so, so we have, we're no longer under law, um, even as a tutor. So I think there, there people are seeing that difference. But if you if you go back, even just think of Genesis three. Yeah, they sin against God. They disobey, and then what does God do? He covers them. Mm -hmm. He doesn't kill them, <laughs> and he gives them a hope. Yeah, in Genesis three fifteen. That's right. Absolutely, right? the seed will come. That's right. And and like uh, they they deserved death. Mm -hmm. We know that, but they. They didn't get death. Another animal, an animal got death in their place. Um, but a promise was made, like you said, Genesis 3.15. And you see that throughout uh, the Old Testament if you're looking clearly uh, for it. Now, certainly, is there uh, wrath and judgment in those things? There are. It's also found, like you said, in the New Testament. Mm -hmm, because yeah. guess what? Everyone outside of Christ still is under God's wrath. And you see even in Revelation... In Revelation Good. chapter yep. two, how God, you know, Jesus is responding to the churches. You have those churches who have strayed, who have yep. compromised, and you see his response to them, repent or else. That's right. You know, you get those um, uh, statements. You get he's going to return. And when he returns, he's not just coming to to bring peace on the earth, mm -hmm. right? There is wrath coming for those who are still in a state of unbelief. That's right. And so it it, it makes sense when you think of sin, you know, because that's the right response right. to sin, because sin destroys everything in life. So if we're if God is not angry and, and wrathful against sin, then the gospel makes no sense. We yeah. don't need good news. If it was just covered over, then it make you know it doesn't. You can't hold the understanding of His grace without yeah. understanding <clears throat> the opposite side of His wrath, His judgment, His anger. Yeah. But how great for us who are in Christ that there is no condemnation for us in Christ. There is no more wrath reserved for us. There is no more fear. 
in his love for us. Amen. That's what's highlighted in Christ. We don't see that highlighted until that full revelation comes in Christ, Mm -hmm. but we see God's long suffering, but his promises of that grace. So you can look at it as the promise and then the realization, you know, of, of grace throughout the entire Bible. Um, you know, the world makes, you know, lots of claims of, of trying to break out our understanding of, of God by not realizing and seeing all that scripture has to say. And so I think it's just broadening our, Mm -hmm. our, our understanding and, or maybe I should say broadening our context Look at all of scripture when you're struggling with this, but don't miss how gracious God is. There's so much there in the Old Testament. You can just look through the Psalms and Mm -hmm. you'll see, as we were looking at Psalm 78, you see it in there. Oh, yeah. But look all over the Psalms at God's grace that is found there, fully realized to us in Christ. Yeah. Amen. And uh, I know we can probably go on this topic for a long time, but you, you brought up such an important point about the character of God that We'll, we'll miss both the character of sin and the character of God um, if we're not paying attention. And when we think, oh, look how judgmental God was in the Old Testament, some of that comes from us not acknowledging, to use your favorite author's phrase, J.C. Ryle would say the sinfulness of mm-hmm. sin, right? We're not seeing the sinfulness of sin. Um, one of the things that a tutor does is a tutor helps you to understand, yeah. right? guides your thinking so you get it you get the point well the law helped us to understand the sinfulness of sin and the wrath that we deserved Mm -hmm. Um, but praise be to god who has given to us so lavishly in christ Um, and so now we can see yes and rejoice in the the good news of the gospel lots we could continue on in there but there are other questions, so yeah. um, I do want to get to the the, the next one. Um, so here's one of them. Should you, or how should you, go about forgiving an unrepentant person, whether the offense be once or a recurring offense? So how should you go about forgiving an unrepentant person? whether one-time or recurring offense? That's a that's a good question. Have you f- forgiven my sins against you, my unrepentant I haven't forgiven sins? you from last time. You gave me that bad coffee. Ouch. Still holding that against you. Ouch. So I don't know if I can answer this question. <laughs> Man. I think we're going to take a break and come back on the air. I got to go get him some good coffee or something. Uh-huh. So this goes back, I think, to our episodes on forgiveness. Yeah. When we talked, uh, I think we did two episodes when we talked about understanding forgiveness. Yep. And we were looking at um, uh, different different thoughts. I brought out a new book that was written mm-hmm. on forgiveness. Um, and so these questions are related to that. Um, there's a lot to say when we think about this. And, and I think even the question had uh, dealing with a believer and an unbeliever and kind of looking at it from that perspective. Okay. I would say when you say, should you, or how should you forgive? Mm-hmm. So the question of, do we have the obligation right. to forgive? Yeah. Do we owe that? Mm-hmm. Do we owe? I think scripture is clear that Christians are forgiving people. Yep. 
at the same time, we want to understand the distinction between forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm -hmm. And so you have forgiveness as an attitude of the heart, and it's really for the benefit of you, the one who has been offended rather than the offender. Um, in a sense of you're imprisoning yourself when you're not having a forgiving spirit. So should you? Yes. Does that mean it's easy? Does it mean it's instantaneous? Absolutely not. Is it a process? Yes. I think that it is a process to forgive. Now, when you add in this unrepentant person Mm -hmm. and the offense being once or recurring offense, yeah. Forgiveness from the heart is not conditional on whether they're repentant or not. Reconciliation is. Okay. So I don't think you would reconcile with an unrepentant person, the second stage of forgiveness. But I think you can have an attitude because in a sense, what you are doing is, and we talked about this last time, that um, you're covering a debt. Mm -hmm. You're not requesting that debt to be paid before you can cover it or to release that, 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 um, how you're viewing the other person, uh, the hurt that you have, uh, toward the other person. So it's freeing you. So I think you can, um, forgive from the attitude of the heart, um, an unrepentant person, whether it's once or recurring, but I would say if it's recurring, there's a discussion on the wisdom of that relationship you have with the person. Okay. So that's that, that I would bring in to say, okay, this isn't just, you get walked over, Yeah. but what is wrong with this relationship? And is it healthy for you to be in the relationship? Or maybe I should take that back. Have you brought this up and had a conversation? Have you discussed it? Because maybe part of that is it hasn't been, discussed the person doesn't understand maybe they've sinned against you or or maybe they're flippant and say i don't care yeah well you wouldn't want to continue to have maybe the closest relationship with that person so so let let me let me ask the the question then what's the difference if the offending party is a believer or an unbeliever i think the difference is um in understanding or maybe repairing the relationship, reconciling. Okay. Because unbelievers are going to hurt us mm-hmm. and sin against us. And so I don't think forgiveness is different in a sense as it's an attitude from your heart. So why are you forgiving? You're forgiving because Christ has forgiven you. That's the motive. They don't need to be a Christian or not yeah. to extend that. It could be an opportunity for the gospel for the unbeliever. It's an opportunity to strengthen a relationship for the believer. So I don't think it matters per se, but I think what the, the transaction does matter. Okay. Like, and reconciling is going to be very different. Yeah. Would you say that the expectation is different too, from the believer and the unbeliever? Like as a, as a believer, I don't expect my unbelieving friends or, or associates or whatever, um, Pastor Hayek, you know, uh, my, I was like my associates who, who's, who's around me at church. Um, but I don't expect unbelieving friends and, and, and folks to have the same understanding, you know, that I expect of believers. Yeah, I think that gets us into a little bit of trouble. Sometimes okay. we have unrealistic expectation of believers. Sure. Because we, we automatically think, you're a believer. Why don't you understand? Okay. Right? And so we get ourselves into trouble where you can have an unbeliever who maybe even understands a bit. Okay. 
and they realize, oh, I really did hurt you because of how they're upbringing and they just have a different sure. understanding. But yes, there should be a more of a expectation, uh, but remembering that we don't want to hold unrealistic expectations on other believers and that's where the body of christ helps us um but i think it's a complicated web depending on what is the offense yeah right what is the offense and you know like you said you said hey you know are you bringing up to this person the offense uh or are you just internalizing it right because if if this person has done done you wrong um you know do they agree that they've done something wrong? Yeah. Right. Cause sometimes I've, I've had situations where I'm talking to someone, well, they haven't repented. They haven't asked for forgiveness. And part of me wants to ask and often I do is, well, do they recognize what they've done as sin or yeah. offense? And what do you do in a situation, let's say within the church that the party that, <clears throat> so someone comes to you and say, well, they offended me or they hurt me or whatever it is. And the other party just doesn't agree with the facts that they, they just don't agree that that that's true. I did not do that or, or, or it certainly wasn't intentional or whatever, how, but, but if I'm expecting them to ask for forgiveness before I give them that forgiveness, yeah, man, that's going to really change the dynamic. Yeah. And, and if, if we're looking at it as that we're conditioning it, you know, I think that's required for reconciliation, but not for forgiveness, because I don't need you okay, to good. ask me to forgive you to forgive in my attitude. And what I mean by this, and, and uh, this was brought out in, in the book we talked about last time is mm-hmm. we're not dwelling on the offense. We're not thinking about that person and reducing them to their failure. We're not thinking wrongly of that person. That's on you and the attitude of your heart. Does it help for them to acknowledge it? Absolutely. But it's not dependent on you. For example, what if the person passes away? Mm. Can you not forgive them with the attitude if they hurt you and there's no opportunity now? That's good. So I think that, yes, it's difficult, but your attitude from your heart is the only path forward to release you from the prison that you've allowed into your own life. And what festers is now you become bitter and angry at the other person instead of saying, I'm going to have the right attitude. And I pray that they will acknowledge it because their acknowledgement will depend on whether the reconciliation of our relationship occurs or whether I want to even have a relationship with them. Yeah. And I like separating those. I like separating the attitudinal forgiveness with transactional forgiveness. Yeah. Some don't. Some actually have, you know, I mean, there's many different views on yeah. on everything, right? But <laughs> in, in this area, there are disagreements on it. But I think this is the most helpful way to deal with offenses that are really serious, Yeah. Um, that really hurt. And then... Um, I, honestly, with that... In mind, I just can't help but think about the the parable of the wicked servant because mm. the description of that bitterness, that anger, that that's that's what that wicked servant had toward his fellow servant. Uh, even though the debt the fellow servant owed was was not nearly the debt that had been uh, forgiven by the king uh, toward the wicked servant. So the the attitudinal part is so important so important and i'm glad you make that distinction there's one more part of this mm-hmm. and and we may or may not fully be able to flesh this one out and maybe we'll have to come back to it another time but here's another part of, or another question forgiveness means you won't hold it against the sinner 
but how would it play out with consequences? For example, you steal $5,000 from me. I don't have that kind of money, but anyway, let's say you steal $5,000 from me. One, you give me back $5,000, eye for an eye. Two, you pay me $5,000 and interest or the penalty uh, rate that the law of the land would have you pay. <laughs> not this not this land. You could steal free here. Um, and, and Or three, you don't pay me and I don't prosecute you. And, and this person says, I guess, that you could apply this to pressing charges as well if the sin wasn't just theft of money. Just want to understand what forgiveness looks like in these larger offenses. Yeah. It's a good question. It's a really good question. I love the, the options there. Yeah. Because it's thinking through, well, what are the next step? These are the practical. Rubber meets the road. How are you going to deal with it now? Yep. We're not just talking about the simple, oh, I gossiped about you. Please forgive me for defaming your name. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. Right? So what I like about this question is practical. But I think in answering it, there's a little bit of subjectivity. Okay. I think there are some principles. And so one of the principles coming out is restitution. Right. Should restitution be paid? Now, what is important, I think, to pull back is to say, when we forgive, it doesn't mean we're removing all consequences. Right. It's not a get out of jail free card for the offender. So in this case... Someone that stole $5,000, should they pay it back? My question would be, can the person pay it back? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If they could, would I encourage that to occur? I personally would. I would say, yes, that would be a good follow through because you can make restitution for the debt that you owe to that person. Mm -hmm. So it's not just they forgive you and don't worry about it. Now, the person may say, I don't need you to pay me back. That's okay. Sure. That's one option. But the person I don't think can hold, should, hmm, what word do I want to use? I'm not sure if if the person is demanding Mm -hmm. it's being repaid, that that needs to be worked through because I have to understand, can the person pay pay it back? Um, Should the person pay interest on it? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know if there's any principles on that. Um, uh, but what if the law of the land said that, yes, someone who steals in order to repay, there is a punitive aspect, which is X amount of interest. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah, in that <coughs> sense, yeah. I mean, okay. I mean you're, you're, some of the consequences of I stole, so I got to pay a penalty on top of it. Yeah. Okay. You don't pay me and I don't prosecute you. Um, again, you know, you're looking into other uh, other things going on in the heart. What is your heart against this person? Are you, do you want, are you demanding that this wrong is righted? And will you take it to the next level? Mm-hmm. Now, there may be a case where there might need to be a lawsuit. It could be, I mean, more than $5,000 and it makes sense that that maybe you do need to to go further. That that's part of it because of how this person's responding. I don't. Okay, so can I can I forgive? Okay, but still demand the five thousand dollars back. I I you could ask, but you can't demand anything from a. Hmm. How do I want to answer that? It's that's kind of hard. tough, right? Yeah. It's tough because it's not as straightforward as. I think we want to make it out to be. Can you request? I would use a softer word. 
you for you can forgive and still request restitution to be made and that is right uh, that could be right to do mm-hmm. but what i'm thinking here's why i'm struggling with it there may be cases where restitution is not possible okay yeah because you, that's true so if yeah. you if you sin against somebody and say it's a sin a sexual sin mm-hmm. how are you going to pay restitution for that right right you can't. Not possible. Yeah. But in this case, you can. There, yeah. there's an opportunity. Yeah. So would I encourage it? Yes. I think I think I would encourage it if that's a possibility. But when you start working down on maybe a lawsuit, that might require more conversation and what happened in the first steps, like what, what's going on. In and that if they're if they're both believers, you know, yeah. there there's questions there. So I, I guess so. Let's let's play this through for a second. So someone someone owes me or someone steals from me five thousand dollars. Roger stole five thousand. You don't have five thousand, so I guess I okay. He stole you. four bucks from Hike. From <laughs> <laughs> so he stole five dollars from Hike. Uh, let, let, let's go with the five thousand for a second, okay. just because of the example. I, I, I think the more the better at this point. So you steal this money from someone, and um, and he says. You know what, Roger? I I forgive you. Um, I will, and I will give you a year to pay it back. Do you think you can do that in a year? Okay, is it reasonable? Because the person is working; they they're able, right? Yeah. Um, does it change that forgiveness when that last check is given or whatever? Now I've got the the restitution. Um. Was did did I actually offer forgiveness? Or did I just wait for repayment? Is there still not an element of forgiveness there because of some wrong that's been done that's not just the material aspect of that? So I think what what I what I'd look at is the attitude of the heart, right? Forgiveness is an atti- attitude of the heart. Mm-hmm. How am I viewing this person during restitution? Am I holding out that until they fully repay me, I am not satisfied with them asking me for forgiveness Got it. or have I forgiven them and they understand there were consequences and they're doing their best to make up for it. And now they're repaying me. That doesn't change my relationship. So if my relationship is soured while they're paying me back, mm-hmm. then I'd say you haven't really forgiven from the heart. But if you're looking at it as this is just a natural consequence for what you did and it's a good and right thing that you're doing to now prove in a way you're proving before man right that you're contrite that what you did you understand the wrongness you really uh hurt financially but you know in doing that then that's a good thing but as long as you're not holding if you're holding it out there then i'd say that's not forgiveness yeah that's a demand of saying you must pay the debt that's not what forgiveness means right but it doesn't mean that there's no consequence that's right. what i think i i would answer it to say i'm probably not giving the most satisfactory answer but to say just because you forgive doesn't mean you need to remove the consequence but it does mean that whether the consequence is there or not your attitude and the way you view that other person is going to change and can change no matter what happens with either restitution or not, yeah. you can still have practice forgiveness with that person because it's on you, not on them, how you think about them, how you dwell on the situation, how you hold it over their head, how you view that person, how Hike views me when he sees me and says, oh, I'm mad. You owe me that $5. Yeah. Right? Yeah. 
but so maybe that's helpful. And no, I think that is it. It, to think through that each, each side has their own heart to be thinking through mm-hmm. and, and, and dealing with, um, as you've, I think made clear. So that, that's really good. There's more to talk through, I'm sure on that topic and forgiveness happens to be a topic people seem to, to be, um, connect well with they're interested in it It, there's a lot of uh, issues related to it so uh, maybe we'll we'll be able to come back to to that kind of a theme again but we're grateful for the questions keep them coming Uh, you can send them to oh boy what was it feedback feedback I was gonna say info (laughs) (laughs) feedback at rod and staff dot org or our Facebook page or um, you could you know, just mail them to Roger's house at no. Uh, but we are grateful for the questions. Glad that we had a chance to think through this and uh, hope that you will join us again next time. If you enjoyed this episode of the Rod and Staff podcast, please subscribe and share with others. For more information or to contact the host with questions or comments, please send email correspondence to feedback at rodandstaff.org. That is feedback at rod, the letter N, staff.org.